0: I'm still waiting, perfect picture, I'm still painting, oh I'm strong but I'm still fainting. Oh, me- Hi guys, welcome back to Yoyo's Tired. Um, on this episode, I've got a young entrepreneur to tell us more about the initiative he came up with. Um, Kuzo, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, thanks Yo-Yo, for having me on your podcast, really, really excited to be on here and share some of my experiences. Yeah. Um, My name is Mkuzo Kawani, I'm from Zambia, currently finishing my economics degree at Durham University.
0: Um, I brought Mkuzo on here to explain more about ComGrow, so I want to start by asking, what is ComGrow?
1: Um, Okay, so ComGrow is basically a fintech company, um, and we essentially provide a digital platform for people who are part of like informal community banks, which are otherwise known as Rotating savings and credit associations or village banks. And essentially, it's where people like engage in um, saving collectively and peer to peer lending. So, we want to provide this platform so that people can benefit from a more secure and efficient means of this, like saving and peer to peer lending, and then also give them the opportunity to access other financial instruments so that they can grow their money. Yeah. um, Traditionally, uh, there's a lot of people that don't necessarily, that can't necessarily access. funds from banks or financial institutions for whatever reason. And um, this is quite common in a lot of like developing in um, some emerging com- uh, countries. But so what they do is they engage in informal community banks where essentially it's just people that they know from their area, from their district, from work or wherever it is, just people that they're in a familiar community with. They'll essentially um, meet on like a monthly basis or whatever time period they um, want to and put down money so as to like make a collective fund that's shared amongst all the members. And um, what they do with this money is obviously, if anyone needs um, to borrow money from it, they can, but it's only available to people that are part of the community group. So these people that borrow money will pay uh, the money back into the fund with interest. And essentially every month you have people borrowing money, but everyone's also saving money. So it kind of has like its own internal growth mechanism and it ends up being a lot cheaper for them to borrow and save collectively than accessing money from a financial institution. And another benefit of it is that it's uncollateralized and it pretty much only functions on, you know, trust and peer pressure from the people in the group to make sure that if you do borrow money, um, you will be paying it back. Otherwise, you don't want someone, one of your neighbors coming around to you with a bat, which I'm sure they won't do, but
0: you know, <laughs> like banking outside of like financial institutions like traditional structures and it's like existed for like hundreds of years like people have been i think even since the beginning of like using money as a medium of exchange i think these structures have existed and but what i want to know is like what is Comgrow doing differently from this like mechanism that's existed for hundreds of years
1: yeah I'm glad that you mentioned how long the concept of uh, village banking has been around for, because um, that is very important that, you know, it's been something that's um, common and prevalent for ages and just that a lot of people don't know about it. Um, And thank you for saying that again, but I just want to reiterate how uh, Congress not necessarily trying to change the village banking system, but rather make the existing processes and operations like more secure and more efficient so as to make the experience smoother running for all of those involved. So um, one can imagine how stressful and time-consuming it must be to deal with like the hiccups of a a brick-and-mortar type group. And I'll give you another contextual example. Um, If you have a group of 10 people that meet every month and physically transact money, and you have someone who's either recording all the transactions in a book or on an Excel spreadsheet, um, you can imagine like the kind of Accounting areas that might come into play, and, you know, the issues. Um, all of these are like typical, um, typical, uh, you know, inefficiencies and like inaccuracies that you get from a brick and mortar type group. And so, where Congress uses itself, adding the most value in that sense is that we want to make an end-to-end solution that can easily do away with all of these issues, and also facilitate, as I mentioned earlier, the users' access to like a multitude of other financial products and services. So it'll be as easy as your ten people whipping up the application on their phone, doing all the necessary transactions, everything's done digitally, all the records are there, you know, everything's on show, you know, all the inefficiencies and all the, the burdens and um, the stress of being the person that's actually made the slight adding error and, you know, someone's losing money here, someone's gaining money here, all that kind of stuff is essentially done away with, with the digital platform that we're trying to do, uh, implement, sorry.
0: So, you're digitalizing something that has traditionally been done like through like not in like informal methods and like you're trying to make make it more efficient Exactly. okay yeah. okay so you're not you're not completely transforming it you're just evolving you're evolving I would yeah. say
1: that's where to put it like to evolve it and, you know just as things get better over time we're trying to be the person that makes something that's could be very beneficial to a lot of people, um, better because I mean everything even now still has its own um, issues, and you have people that are trying to be innovative and trying to make anything and everything that they can better. I think the two main things about being an entrepreneur that I've learned from the experiences that I've had and the you know things that I've read, um, podcasts that I've listened to, you're either going to create something completely new or make something that exists better and i think we're trying to do the latter
0: so what made you decide rather than like completely restructuring or completely transforming this idea and being like oh this is archaic this has been here for too long what made you Mm -hmm. think rather than like completely transform this old system and make a new system what made you think like let's evolve this
1: i think um it was quite interesting so i've always had a keen interest in like banking and finance and coming from zambia um i've witnessed firsthand the kind of issues that there are in the the formal financial sector and i think just um coming across the concept of village banking i was completely blown away by the fact that and there's something that is so so simple so like old yet the benefits that you can reap from it are immense and so much value to be added in the sense that the growth mechanism itself, like the the one principal thing about money, um, money banking and finance is um, using money to generate more money. And the kind of growth mechanism that lies at the core of village banking is just so fascinating that it competes with any other market money market instrument that I came across in Zambia. And it was all just done by research when I did it the first time, but um, in one of my gap years, I actually, <laughs> um linked up with one of my friends and said to him let's actually set up a group you know a few tweets here and there and the like algorithm and how the mechanism is supposed to work just try and make it a bit more fair for everyone but actually witnessing firsthand you know managing our own group of about 23 people and seeing the kind of um benefit it made benefits it made for the people that were taking part like we did away with the kind of issues of the high interest rates that people normally pay in zambia you know lending in just flat 10 percent rates and the kind of interest that they got on their savings was substantially higher than any other money market that there was in Zambia. And yes, results might be biased or whatever, because it's just one group of 23 people, but it's it, that's starting from there, actually realizing that the, the, the processes that have existed for so many years can still work so well. There must be something we can do to make it better and actually like squeeze out a little bit more for the people that are earning the money or um, drive down that interest rate a little bit lower so it's even cheaper for them to borrow so I mean it was pretty obvious after we did it for ourselves firsthand that there's no point in trying to make something um, completely new if it was already working so well and had the potential to be even better.
0: Thank you for that. Um, on the subject of like how you looked at the, um, the Zambian um, banking system what do you think like Come grow adds to that system.
1: Okay, um, well, I think it, it goes without saying that like a country's banking system is only as good as its participants or any as strong as its participants. Um, and something I alluded to earlier, Zambia is a country where there's such a high dependence on borrowing, even though like the interest rates and the lending rates are amongst some of the highest in Africa, particularly uh, in the SADC region. Southern African development community region where they're probably second only to Zimbabwe. And, you know, high dependency on borrowing, high interest rates, like people obviously getting involved in this borrowing, enter into these bad cycles of credit and obviously then default on their loans. So where Comgro sees itself adding value is by essentially using technology to harness this, these benefits of village banking. And in this particular context, it would be namely the lower interest rates and lower default rates because of the kind of entrusting nature of community banks to be able to lend to someone at much lower than you would have to because the risk is kind of done away with just because you know the person and you trust them and then obviously if you have people that are actually borrowing money at lower def- uh, lower interest rates um, they're less likely to default on their loans because it's something sustainable for them to actually keep up in terms of repayments and so um, by uh, using technology to harness these benefits of village banking to lower the interest rates and lower the default rates. Um, we kind of want to provide those that are already in the existing formal financial environment, the opportunity to gain more financial independence. And then those that are in the more informal and rural communities to be more financially included and essentially Congo's core aim of increasing financial inclusion and independence it's kind of geared towards strengthening the Zambian banking system. So I suppose we add by trying to strengthen the banking system by increasing the participation um, rate of the people in Zambia and actually giving them an opportunity to participate in a sustainable manner per se. So
0: you're just, you're just trying to include more people in the Zambian banking system. And basically, helping those who have been deterred from the system due to its inefficiency to like see that I can I can access banking too. Exactly. Okay. So you mentioned your gap year briefly. Uh, I want I want you to go into more detail about how like you went from having a gap year to coming up with come grow. Um.
1: Yeah. So. Like I said, it it was something that I'd come across during my gap year, but um, I was very mindful coming from high school in South Africa and having quite a bit of time off to um, intake in September here, you know, having finished in November in South Africa. Um, I was quite mindful that I had to be very productive with my time in the sense that um, I couldn't just spend however long it was. Just loafing around, you know, having a good time, enjoying myself. I thought it would be very beneficial for myself, obviously, to do things that would be enriching. Obviously, being getting jobs, you know, doing internships, volunteer work, whatever it was. Um, but then also for my benefit down the line, actually um, having something to show during the time off that would hold me in good stead if I was applying for jobs and stuff like that. Um, but I was very fortunate to come across a, a gentleman in Zambia called. Um, Kaz Shirley, who's now actually one of my uh, founding partners. Um, And whilst I was working at his uh, investment boutique in Zambia, I um, obviously gained the kind of experience um, working with different startups and seeing how uh, they were adding value. And his uh, investment boutique, Amano Capital, was geared towards tech startups that were making a difference in the Zambian ecosystem. And having already done some internships in banking and finance, um, you know, kind of developing this whole idea of his focus on the tech ecosystem and actually using tech to make things better. Um, whilst I was actually working in a different uh, placement, I just kind of started fiddling around with these, you know, rotating savings and credit scheme models, these kind of village banking type models and, um, I've not always been the sharpest knife when it comes to the math stuff. So I did uh, lower my pride and, and call one of my friends, Mikhail Maingard, who's actually the third, co- well, another co-founder, the, the three of us. And uh, Mikhail essentially helped me um, solve the monetary model. And, you know, it was quite, we made quite big strides from actually realizing, okay, look, this is something that can help us. This is something that could be good for people. Um, and so, yeah, it was before I actually came to my first year that we decided to have our um, algorithm set up, myself and Mikhail initially, and then um, start remotely managing our first village banking cycle, which is the one that I mentioned with the 23 people. Um, it was quite successful. We did make quite uh, a lot of money for everyone that was in the group. And like I mentioned, the the rates that people borrowed at compared to the rates that they earned money on their savings from was um, substantially lower, yeah, the borrowing rates were much lower than their earning rates. And uh, this kind of like gave us a lot more motivation to go into the second year and, um, you know, further justify our, you know, the proof of concept. And um, second year ran from 2019 to 2020. Now, obviously, um, the pandemic kind of put things uh, to pause because we were still dealing with the kind of brick and mortar type thing where we had people meeting on a monthly basis physically transacting everything managed on a whatsapp group excel spreadsheet etc and being mindful of the um firstly not being able to continue because of the covid restrictions the financial pressures that covid brought um upon people that were in the group and then also the growing demand that we had from our service especially because people were under a lot more financial pressure those three things kind of um fuel us to like take a step back and realize that if we wanted to make this scalable, we would have to go the technological route. And again, this is where we come back to how, um, um, Kaz the third co-founder fits into the picture because we kind of cemented our R and D and, um, like our process, like our way forward by, um, you know, being a company that came under his portfolio and, um, yeah, so essentially we've done a lot of remote work, um, Having been his his being in South Africa and my being here in the UK, but I think since we actually went into our formal R and D, um, we made quite a few strides in terms of our technological development. Um, big moves in terms of Mikhail relocating from South Africa to Zambia, and so he's now there on the ground, being able to manage things now. So um, whilst I wrap up everything on this end, um, he's he's kind of holding the fort at the moment.
0: Oh, um. So I wanted to talk more about, you mentioned how your team has become like international, like has always been international, but you've talked about how like, it's gone gone from like meeting in person to like online meetings. And I can't relate to that because most of the teams I run are like online. So how was it transforming from like a non-online based team to an online based team and like trying to interact globally do you think COVID has helped you with that or it's like deterred you
1: no I think definitely it's done more for us even though it did like hamper the performance of our group it's definitely done more for us in the sense of um actually pointing us in the right direction for how we're supposed to take this to the next step because to put it very bluntly like we'd always um like from early in the second in the first uh cycle we had thought about making this digital because we'd already seen the kind of issues that we'd face with having to have someone be responsible for taking care of, you know, making sure they collect everyone's um, information, their pledges, et cetera. Um, COVID um, stopping the group mid-cycle kind of just accelerated our, uh, well, not necessarily accelerated our, our progress, but, you know, got us into thinking a lot faster about how we're gonna make this different because, um, we wrapped up the cycle yes but then obviously people are very keen to start the new cycle so it gave us a maybe four or five month buffer buffer for us to actually put our head down realize where we've gone wrong um in terms of well sorry where, where we can improve not necessarily where we've gone wrong in terms of uh transitioning from um physical to virtual and um to be honest the transition was a lot smoother than we had thought even it was fortunate that we were able to like wrap up the group very smoothly in terms of everyone getting their money um and still making a profit on the on the on their savings compared to what they'd borrowed um but our first big thing was the transactions because obviously it's a lot easier to meet somewhere physically and have physical cash and hand and disperse that but then now this is the first time that we had to do um bank transfers so it did get a bit tricky in the sense that uh it was a lot more costly than we'd wanted to and a lot more um responsibility was handed to someone that was holding all the funds in a central account and um, then having to disperse it. And again, even though we had made the transition, it just pointing us more in the right direction to say that this is, yeah, a step in the right direction in terms of making it easier, but then we can go even further than this. And that's why we actually decided um, to make these proper technological development strides um, to make it even more efficient than we'd had to uh, because of COVID.
0: So COVID kind of helped you in a strange way.
1: <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. It was, uh, it just kind of brought us, brought us the realization that we needed to make it digital a lot quicker. Um, so yeah, I think I would have probably had a different response if not everyone made the money that they were supposed to, but I think <laughs> that, that kind of helped in terms of, um, being able to dodge that bullet. So yeah.
0: So my next question, like it's kind of a question for myself, and it's also a question for my like audience in a way that um a lot of the things I do, like I have I've had to collaborate with friends and it's mm. been some things have been more difficult than others. And you've been able to run quite a successful business you with your friends. How have you been able to balance those relations? Have you how have you been able to be like this is, when, this is our friendship, this is what we're doing, and this is how we're going to get it done.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's always, I suppose, a, a nice story to tell, like, oh yeah, I started this business with my friends, but I think um, one thing that we've done well as a team, be it as um, co-founders or even the rest of the team, because we are all quite friendly with each other, I think the most important thing is to understand um, you know understand our roles understand why we're doing what we're doing and um you know what vision we have for congro in terms of it becoming successful because um at the end of the day all of those three things need to come before the friendship we have and understand that it's nothing personal when you know we're making decisions and actually, actually trying to engage with each other we put the the interest of the business has to be first especially in such um in its infancy um there's a lot of sacrifice that needs to be made in that sense. And I think we've been very, very strict with each other and held each other accountable in the sense that, um, we're not going to let, uh, you know, each other, like, we're not going to let each other slack off just because, you know, we're friendly with each other and, you know, we can pick up other people's slack that, that we realized has hurt a lot of other businesses and we've tried to make it a priority to make sure that whatever we do, however we act, it's always in the interest of the business first, Um, personal stuff can come after that. But um, yeah, it's been, I think it's, it's really been up to everyone that's been part of the team to take accountability for that and actually have that as a priority in their mind, because it's all good and well trying to um, portray that like, um, aura around the business but if people don't actually take action themselves um I don't think it would work and I think everyone has and that's why it's been so good to work now
0: yeah I have to co-sign that I'm gonna deviate for like a few minutes um like with my with my charity I've had to do the same thing I've essentially had to tell my the people I work with like here's how you here's what we're doing here's how we're gonna do it and like let's Let's set us aside our friendships to like get this done because we all have the same goal, which is to improve this. But we can't. We can We are friends, and we can laugh about things. But when we're working, we're working. When we're not working, we are, we're not working. So, I think that your advice was like spot on there. Um, yeah. Also, considering like the current economic climate and the recession caused by COVID. How do you plan to make revenue?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, obviously it is a bit tricky because we're not trying to, uh, you know, the the kind of context that Village banking comes from, it's supposed to be helping people that are in these more like informal and kind of like poorer communities because they don't have access to the more expensive, like formal financial institutions. So in terms of revenue, Something behind our business models that we're not trying to, we're trying to make it as cheap as possible. And then um, the bread would kind of be in the scalability of the operation. But in terms of like COVID and how it's working now, like I alluded to earlier when I was talking about how uh, the COVID kind of affected our group, it's kind of more so in situations like these where people kind of um, depend on you know, like village banks and stuff to actually get that extra buck that they might need um in whatever kind of situation or circumstance they're in. Um, so I think our, our revenue, our plans to make revenue still stays the same in the sense that we're very mindful of three demographics that we like target, obviously being, you know, high income groups, uh, middle income, and then the low income. And um, across each demographic, um, we've got I think it's four main revenue channels, So that the first being uh, corporate solutions where essentially we go to uh, institutions themselves and um, have them, I mean, offer them as an admin solution of what of our platform, so that in a sense, they can act for as a village bank for their employees and their customers. And the thinking behind that is because, obviously, village banking works because of its entrusting nature. That's the kind of like core um, driver behind it. and what better place to go to somewhere that already has an existing community like a, um, a shop or a, um, a bank itself. Do you know what I, mean? I mean? you've already got people that are in there. Um, they're kind of like set in the sense that they know the kind of people that are participating because of the um, revenue that they're earning every month. They know like how much they'd be able to borrow, how much they'd be able to pay back, etc. cetera. Um, another a revenue channel would be service fees where essentially we'd um, take a portion of the interest that people would repay um on their loans and this would just be for like standard individual groups and then um two other main drivers would be uh strategic partnerships where essentially we would enter into these partnerships on a rev- revenue sharing basis with um other financial st- institutions in order to facilitate this wider range of um products for people that are using our platforms and then um the other would be data analytics which is a very very key driver for what would be the necessary stakeholders who'd want to partake in this like um credit um industry
0: um you mentioned that you you you're trying to introduce village banking to like high income and like businesses and things like that but do you not find that with businesses they are more entrusting of the formal banking systems that exist
1: yeah so um sorry I would, maybe I wasn't a bit clear in that sense but it wouldn't necessarily be for um the businesses to be partaking from it it would be more that the, another problem that we kind of be solving in this sense would be the kind of thing of like payday loans so I'm sure you can imagine um, how, how for uh let's say a Tesco that has 200 employees and um instead of having these 200 employees like 100 of them each month saying oh can i get an advance on my loan i mean on my um salary or whatever it is if they just had this internal um like banking mechanism where people would be able to like save money then borrow from each other you kind of take away the burden of having to uh the tesco itself having to like offer this money in these payday loans because they can just like borrow and lend from each other and you know that if any of them default the the employer being tesco would be able to um Collateralize it against the actual future earnings of the employee. So, in a sense, it's not necessarily anything to do with the business itself wanting to get money, but more being able to service its clients, its employees firstly, and its like regular creditor clients who would probably be probably benefit from um, access to a credit um, instrument like this, which would help improve their cash flow, in a sense. So yeah, it's more from an internal perspective, more than an external way of the business getting funds, rather for them to provide funds for their um, regular, for their employees and their regular customers.
0: Okay, sorry, I misunderstood the thing. Thank you for clarifying. Um, I also wanted to touch on something um, in an earlier conversation we had, you talked about how a famous quote, I think you said your dad told you, which was that what, you would rather have um, a, m- a million people each giving you $1 than one person giving you $1 million.
1: I'm reluctant to give him credit for that because I'm sure he stole that from someone else, but it um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of runs in the family. You might say that um, he is a banker by profession. So, um, and he, his, like the institution that he worked with mainly, kind of did deal with um more middle income to lower income uh clients that's like that was mainly their client base and um one thing that he recognized obviously being someone who i'd consider my mentor in that sense from the banking side you know amongst other things but um when he said he mentioned this quote to me one person giving you sorry one million people each giving you one dollar is more valuable than one person giving you uh a million dollars i mean the simple premise that both fat, like more values to be created from both ends when you have those million people each giving you one dollar simply because um and if we relate it to a congro perspective or congro context rather the growth mechanism the growth mechanism lies in the scalability of the operation so if you have one million people each saving a dollar a month and a few people don't save that money you still got 999,997 dollars do you know what i mean that's still close to a million but if you only have one person saving one million dollars every month and they don't save that one month you are losing out on a million dollars which i don't have to say is a lot more than losing out on three dollars so um in in that sense obviously value is being created like from your business point of view and then obviously from other people because if that one person only has themselves to rely on um, they're not really of much use to themselves if they don't have that money. Whereas if you have a few people that don't have their dollars, but you've got 999,997 others, you know they've got that those many other people and those many other dollars to like rely on, which is better value for them. So yeah, I think the it's a very very um, interesting quote in the sense because uh, from a banking perspective, a value add perspective, and even from a common group perspective, as I just um, demonstrated, I suppose. Um, it is a much 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 better like business model to have um, especially because of the value that can be added from both ends
0: I also believe businesses like that have more lo- longevity because mm. I think there's like a 10 a tendency for businesses which run on the other model to be like trends and be like oh uh, it's kind of a niche and how like people like one minute People want it the next minute they don't. Well, mm-hmm. I think with things like that, they're necessities. People will always need those things. So I think it's a much better business model, profit-wise and generally.
1: I agree with you definitely.
0: Yeah. Um what um I also want to ask: do you believe Comgrow and initiatives like Come Grow are the future of banking?
1: Oh big one big question i'd love to say yes but um obviously we've not come up with anything new here so i think it would be more fair and more accurate to say um village banking and all its benefits have proved obviously to make huge differences for those that need it most um especially as like the underlying theme has been those who are financially excluded that don't have access to these formal financial services and um as I mentioned, obviously we're harnessing the benefits of something like village banking and we can see how it can go a long way to strengthening a banking system. So I wouldn't necessarily say that um Congre and village banking is the future because it's something that's been around for a while but definitely a step in the right direction in terms of being innovative and improving banking for all. Um, I think, again, this goes back to like the thing about money banking finance the only way to make it grow is to use money to make more money so at the end of the day all kind of like mechanisms are doing the same thing you know any kind of like financial instrument you have it's all pretty much doing the same thing using money to make more money but um if you can be if you can figure out ways to be more innovative in doing this um which i think village banking does for a lot of people now uh i think you would be able to say it's a step in the right direction for actually making the banking lives a lot of people um a lot better
0: i also want to ask on a personal note i want to en- end on a personal note is it quite hard balancing come grow with your university degree because i find balancing the things that i do quite hard with my degree but how is it for yeah, you
1: um, I'm not gonna lie, it has been quite challenging i think early on it was quite simple because you know we were remotely managing a group and we kind of delegated um our roles and responsibility to uh an executive committee so we pretty much just get monthly updates but um you know when we started becoming a bit more hands-on and trying to make these like technological developments um obviously that was happening alongside my making further progressions in my uni life and you can imagine that gets a lot tougher a lot more responsibility a lot more um Gravity in the work that you submit, so um, you know that did become a bit more challenging in terms of uh, managing my time. But uh, I think one thing that's really, really been uh, beneficial for me is the um, the team that we've had. And I think again, this goes back to the whole, you know, friendship and like business kind of thing. I wouldn't necessarily say it's been attributed to the fact that um, you know I'm working with people that are my friends, but more uh, the fact that I'm working with people that have the same. Um, you know, vision were kind of aligned in the same way that uh, where we want to see the business go. So I think we've been very, very good at supporting each other in like times of need. You know, there's obviously been times where I've not been able to um, fulfill my role in the company as best as I could have because, you know, I had more pressing priorities with my degree. And the same thing has happened for the people that um, have been on the team. But I think we've been really good at you know, supporting each other in that sense, because at the end of the day, we're all aligned in the sense that the the business comes first and it's nothing personal if I can't, um, if I can't, um, you know, meet some of my deliverables now or whatever it is, but communication and actually being able to support each other has been a huge, huge driver of um, what's been able to help me balance uh, my education and my work with Congra. And I owe, a lot of that to the team that I'm working with. So yeah.
0: It seems like you have a really amazing team and they're working very hard. And I really love what Comgrow is doing. And I just have to commend you on everything you've done. And I also want to thank you for coming on um VIO's tired to like explain to people more about like banking and finance and like starting a business because I think this is something that's not many people who aren't. In, who aren't particularly interested in banking will understand as well. And I think this is going to give an insight to people who aren't as interested in it, and they will find it interesting.
1: Yeah, awesome. Thank you. I appreciate your, your having me on here. I hope I haven't um, confused a lot of people that do know a little bit about village banking with the kind of stuff that I said. But um, again, I really appreciate you having me on to share a bit about my experiences and um, about Congra.
0: Thank you for listening to us. Tired. Um, we're going to have new episodes. I know I've taken a long break, but it's because I'm trying to bring more better content. So, thank you for listening.